the St. Louis Blues are the Stanley Cup champions. What a team. What a ride. The Cardinals are world champs in 2011. What is up, guys? It is Ethan Hannaford and Dylan Hample back with the Lou Sports Talk podcast, and we have some very good stuff planned for you all today. We are about a week out, as we record, Dylan, from the trade deadline. That time already. Mm, Time flies when you're having fun. And for trade deadline conversation, Dylan, we had to go with None but the best out there as far as Cardinals writers go. So Katie Wu from The Athletic is going to be joining us here in just a few minutes. And uh, we're super excited for her joining us. But Dylan, yeah, how are you doing, man? I am doing great. It is under 100 degrees out here and I am feeling fine, unlike the rest of the country. (laughs) Mm. Come on now. So after speaking with Katie Wu, we're also going to share a little bit of our own thoughts. We're going to be talking about, you know, Highest return as far as players that are looking very likely to be traded. Some dark horse players to be traded. um, As well as players that we fear might get traded. Um, And then also we're going to play a little little more who's likely to go. And we're going to bounce off a couple of players. And hopefully we disagree. You know, it would be very ironic if we didn't disagree in here when we disagree on just about everything else outside of this podcast studio. And, you know, I was so frustrated because I have never agreed with you more than the last episode that I was not a part of. I was so happy listening to it. I was like, man, I wish I was in that studio right now because that is a once-in-a-lifetime moment, us agreeing. Doesn't happen very often. Maybe it'll happen today. We'll have to wait and see. Keep your fingers crossed. All right, guys, we now have the absolute pleasure to be joined by the St. Louis Cardinals writer for The Athletic, Katie Wu. You know, we had we had Luke Korak on a couple of weeks ago, and we kind of we talked about it as... Lou on the Lou. Um, and now we got Wu on the Lou Sports Talk podcast. Katie Wu, how's it going? Absolutely fantastic intro, guys. I'm, I'm great. How are you? We're doing well. You know, I'm not going to lie. Obviously, it has been a rough first half for the Cardinals. But personally, for me, I think there is a little bit of excitement seeing how the front office handles this this trade deadline, knowing that how they do has a huge imprint on what the future of the team looks like if the team's competing in 2024. So I think that there's still a lot of interest and a lot of reason to be keeping up and watching right now. And there's going to be some interesting things, I think, to keep an eye on. Would you agree, Katie? Oh, absolutely. You know, I think this is such a unique time for the St. Louis Cardinals organization. I mean, think about it, guys. How rare is it to be true sellers, for the Cardinals to be true sellers in St. Louis And have that be so clear, you know, weeks ahead of the deadline. And I think you're spot on in saying it can be a little fun, but probably very nerve wracking for fans in trying to figure out what John Mozeliak and his, the rest of the front office will do at the deadline, because it is so true. How the Cardinals approach this deadline is pretty much the blueprint and shapes the foundation of how they will carry into the off season and ideally emerge as a competitive team again in 2024. And keep in mind, this is completely uncharted territory for this organization. They've never been in a position like this under most tenure. So a lot of pressure is riding on this front office to get it right. Because again, it will set the foundation for a bunch of moves going forward into the offseason. You mentioned, you know, uncharted territory. The front office has made it clear, though, that 
They're going to be selling with the goal of acquiring pitching in return. So let's go ahead and let's start with some of those pieces that we expect to be gone at the deadline, and that's pitching primarily Jordan Montgomery and Jack Flaherty. And I know some fans would argue that it's counterproductive to trade away pitching when that's what you're in search of. So could you just explain for listeners, for the fans, Katie, why the Cardinals are likely to be trading those two starting pitchers despite that being their top need? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. And certainly it's a fair question for fans who are a little confused and on why the Cardinals would be parting with starting pitching talent when that's their number one priority for the future. It all comes down to contracts and availability. Jordan Montgomery and Jack Flaherty are set to be free agents for the first time in their careers after the 2023 season. Reaching free agency and having the ability to choose your future and really cash in and get the money that both of these guys have worked very hard to get to in this career. That's a big moment for players. And the likelihood of the Cardinals being able to retain either player after the season, uh, whether it's with a qualifying offer or a contract extension, is relatively low. Uh, these are both high-leverage guys that have shown abilities to perform in high-leverage situations. And the starting pitching market, not just this trade deadline, but heading into the offseason, is very thin. So if you are the Cardinals, you are operating at a – buy now pace or I'm sorry a sell now pace when their value for both pitchers is that high and hopefully you can cash in on an abundance of returns now the Cardinals want to be competitive again in 24 we've heard Mo say that multiple times we've heard him say he wants pitching as a return we know all of this now what the Cardinals can do in trading Montgomery or Flaherty is stockpile young controllable pitching talent so talent that they will have in their team control and won't cost a lot of money for the next three to four years to come, instead of blowing the bank out on, you know, retaining one of Montgomery or Flaherty and having them for significantly less amount of team control. Could you see them bring, I know Jack Flaherty, it seems like most likely just being the kind of the big city, the LA guy. I, I don't think a lot of fans are expecting him or have a lot of interest in bringing him back next season. Um, post-free agency. Jordan Montgomery, though, is a name that I think a lot of people more so would like to stay in St. Louis. Is that something you could see the front office trying to do is bringing him back in free agency on an extended deal? No, you know, I actually think if the Cardinals were entertaining either, I think the, the probability of that is low, but I would have it the other way around. I think Jordan Montgomery is likely as good as gone, mainly because he is a Scott Boris client. And if you are represented by the Boris Agency, you are routinely encouraged to go test the free agent waters and try to get as big of a return as possible. People don't like to hear this about Jack Flaherty. Um, and, you know, narratives are, are narratives. But Flaherty doesn't – he likes St. Louis. And that might not always be communicated because he's the warmest of guys uh, on TV post-game. He's a very high competitor, and sometimes that does come across as not being very warm. But I think if the Cardinals were looking to extend either player, it would be Flaherty over Montgomery or to re-sign, it'd be Flaherty over Montgomery. Now, I don't think that is something they're considering at the moment, but if they had to choose between the two, I think they would actually lean Flaherty. Hey, Katie, this is Dylan. Thanks for joining us. The front office has made it pretty clear that they want to try to retool for 2024 and compete in 2024. And that coming with that means trading for MLB-ready talent. So if that's the direction they choose to go, how do you think the front office will evaluate whether or not a prospect is MLB ready? That's a good question. And I think it depends on a lot of what the player development staff from the Cardinals can look at and evaluate 29 other farm systems. That's when guys like Randy Flores really come into play. 
Um, I know we, we talk a lot about forest and what he's done with the scouting department. He's also scouting 29 other farm systems organizations to see what they have ready. One thing that the Cardinals are being pretty adamant in discussions with other teams in trade negotiations is that they are not looking for prospects at the high A or double A level because those prospects, especially pitchers, can take years to develop. And again, as we've said, the Cardinals want to be competitive as early as next season. They are primarily looking for talent that's either major league ready right now or in AAA and will be ready come 2024. And those kinds of guys where you can never fully predict what kind of prospect or what kind of player a prospect will turn into, it's a little bit easier to evaluate ceilings and expected timetables when the guys that you're looking at are in the AAA level. So that's kind of the area the Cardinals are really looking to stockpile in would be that major league ready talent or knocking on the door talent come 2024. We're joined by Katie Wu, the Cardinals writer for The Athletic Follower on Twitter at Katie J. Wu. Katie, it's no secret that St. Louis has dealt with log jams all season long on in the, both the infield and the outfield. But looking at the outfield, you know, you got O'Neill, you have Carlson, Newtbar, Jordan Walker, Burleson. We know that Walker's here to stay, and we know that the front office has talked about that they would prefer to hold on to, to Newt. And then you throw in guys like Edmund and Donovan who can play everywhere. Out of this group of players, who do you expect to bring in the most intrigue from calling general managers? Probably players like Tommy Edmund and Brendan Donovan, who the Cardinals don't really have an inclination of wanting to let go, but they certainly pack, even if both injured right now, Donovan to a lesser extent, of course, they certainly pack a higher return than someone like O'Neill. Carlson might be able to, to net a solid mid-package return because he's just 24 and has such a high ceiling that he hasn't really been able to live up to most of the hype of the 2021 season since that time period but when you look at the Cardinals and who they have in this outfield log jam you know they don't want to part with Lars Newbar or Jordan Walker they don't want to part with Donovan they don't want to part with Edmund and they're probably not parting with O'Neill simply because his return value hypothetically is so low O'Neill is one of those high caliber players when healthy the problem of course is that he hasn't been very healthy this season so He's not going to net a significantly high return. The Cardinals would essentially be shipping off talent for the sake of doing so, and that's not what John Mazzella wants to do this trade deadline period. So a lot of the players that are going to garner the most interest, the Cardinals don't really have any intention of moving, but they certainly are not in the position to say no if teams throw in an enticing enough package. You know, one thing that I really try to reiterate with fans is in order to gain value, you have to give value away. And it makes sense. I think fans can come to terms with losing guys like Montgomery and Flaherty because just from a contractual perspective, it makes sense. But the Cardinals have a plethora of young, under-control team talent that they believe in that are pivotal to their core. But they're going to have to part with some of it if they want to upgrade their pitching as fast as their expected timetable. You speak about talent, and there's nobody more talented on this roster than your corner infielders and Arnauto and Goldschmidt. And I know that the front office has made it pretty clear that there's not a lot of interest in Paul Goldschmidt or Nolan Arenado um, getting dealt. But still, you know, every once in a while, you still see uh, the the ESPN article or the, the New York Post article about, you know, the potential of this happening. And I'm just curious, is there any world in where this actually does happen in the Cardinals we see moving more towards, I guess, what in that case, you know, it's not a 2024 competing for 2024. It's moving into a longer rebuild. Is there any world and where that happens. You know, you can never say never at the trade deadline. Let's, let's keep in mind, we'll go through the logistics. Goldschmidt and Arnado both have a full no-trade clause, as is Wilson Contreras. Um, 
you can never say never. I think some of these contending teams like the Dodgers, um, the Phillies perhaps, the Yankees always have enough talent in their system to swing a trade like that. But it is going to take a significant ask just for the Cardinals to even consider it. And then the corresponding player, whether that's Goldschmidt or Ornato, would have to sign off on that. And neither player really has any inclination of wanting to leave St. Louis. They want to be here. If Nolan Arenado didn't want to be here, he wouldn't have opted in at the end of last season. But they do want to be competitive. So they remain committed committed to playing in St. Louis next year simply because they want a shot at winning the World Series or at least contending for one. They certainly share that, share that same goal with the front office. But I can't sit here and say it's 100% not going to happen, but it is very, very unlikely to. So like we touched on, St. Louis is also – Fortunate enough to have a logjam in the middle infield as well. We have Paul DeYoung, Nolan Gorman, Tommy Edmond, Brendan Donovan, and the potential of Mason Wynn coming up as well. I'm curious to hear what your prediction would be if you were to pick two out of these four or five, who do you think would still be on the team August 2nd? I think of a good majority. You can make the argument that the Cardinals should trade Paul DeYoung with his expiring contract coming up at the end of the year. They have a team option for 24 and 25. With Mason Wynn knocking on the door, it doesn't seem very likely the Cardinals hold on to DeYoung. Um, there's been a lot of pushback on trading Gorman. I totally understand that. He's just 23. He has some crazy power from the left-hand side. But the Cardinals need to figure out what they can do with this middle infield log jam. The worst thing they can do is hold on to all of this talent and emerge next season as with the exact same log jams. Um, I'm not quite sure what kind of value they can get for DeYoung at the trade deadline if they find a fit, let's say, a contending team that needs infield help like San Francisco. They have a pretty deep farm system. Maybe the Cardinals could get a return there. But I'd say come 2024, it would be very surprising to me if DeYoung is still with the team. And I think the Cardinals are going to give Mason Wynn, who's absolutely tearing it up in AAA, a shot to just see what they have in him and where he's at in terms of being big league ready for next season, probably around September of 23. We're kind of just bouncing all around the the field right now because like we've talked about, there's so much either blocking of players or just guys trying to fit in as much playing time as they can. And then you got, you know, contracts that are kind of becoming messy in different spots, blocking players. And the, the main position that comes up with that is the catcher's position. You got Contreras, who's, you know, struggled defensively and, you know, kind of been just the player he has been for the majority of his career. He's starting to figure it out at the plate, but now, now all of a sudden, Yvonne Herrera seems to be ready to get more innings, and then then you got Andrew Kisner as well, so kind of a two-part question here. Is there any chance that teams are calling with interest about Contreras? Is there anything you've heard about that? And then, as well as that, would the Cardinals be willing to part from Yvonne Herrera? I don't think any team is really calling about Contreras because most teams don't have a dire need for a platoon catcher, really, at that point. Because if teams are calling for Contreras, it's not because they need a full-time catcher. They need a platoon guy. And for the most part, that's just not a need that Contreras fits right now. Uh, again, he also is a player that has a no-trade clause. So it would be pretty uh, a pretty big ask to ask Wilson to waive it. The Cardinals do need to figure out what they have in Herrera, who I thought really impressed in a short time up with the club. Unfortunately, he was kind of a victim of the numbers game with the Cardinals beating some fresh pitching. They decided to go back to carrying 13 pitchers and cut their extra position playing spots. So Herrera was sent back down to AAA, but the Cardinals are adamant they'll see him again. Again, Herrera isn't someone they necessarily want to part with, but this goes back to my earlier sentiment, guys. And to get talent, you have to give talent away. 
Herrera would, would certainly come back to bite them. Um, but if teams are calling and inquiring about Herrera and have those pitching prospects that the Cardinals are coveting, I think they would listen. Uh, and guys, if you're just tuning in, we're joined by Katie Wu from The Athletic. Katie, we appreciate you joining us. And to wrap things up, and I feel like throughout the majority of this conversation, a lot of you know having to be willing to give up talent to receive talent has come has come up and obvi- you know, obviously makes total sense. And I have to imagine there's some nerves for Cardinals fans about this deadline like we talked about at the beginning as well because you know nobody wants to give away that next big star and the Cardinals you know have they've done that a couple of times in recent history when it comes to you know Zach Gallen, Sandy Alcantara, Randy mm-hmm. Rosarena. So so to wrap things up, how does the front office balance out not giving up too much talent within the lineup but also, you know, making that realization, that recognition that they're going to have to give up some pieces in order to receive those pitching prospects in order to balance this team out a little bit? Yeah, that's, that's I think, the biggest question facing the organization right now is knowing the pressure, the immense amount of pressure that we alluded to in the beginning of the podcast, that they're facing to get this trade deadline right. They can't afford to swap out another future star and get a bust in a return. I think John Mazzell might be pretty great trades when you look at first base and third base currently. Right. Those are some household names, right? But he's also made some pretty not-so-great trades, and there have not been some great free agent signings. There have not been great extensions. I think the organization, from Mo to Gersh to Flores, all three of whom are, are in Phoenix with the team this week, um, are really facing reality here and saying, we have to get this right. Because if they don't get it right, and they don't start this foundation for something that the team can build upon, going into the offseason, this slight selling period will eventually lead to a rebuild period, and that is just something that is unfathomable, I think, in St. Louis. Katie, we appreciate you uh, joining us here for a couple of minutes, and uh, I know you're going to enjoy the the trade deadline. We will as well. Thanks for joining us, Katie. You got it, guys. Anytime. That was Katie Wu from The Athletic, Cardinals writer for The Athletic, and please go follow her on Twitter at Katie J. Wu, Wu with two O's. And uh, I tell you what, she is, I mean, just about as talented as they come. Just phenomenal writer. Puts out really good quality stuff out there. Um, so go and, fo- go and follow her uh, material um, on The Athletic. Uh, she, does, she has some really good stuff. Dylan, was there any point during that podcast that you had any sort of desires to make any Ric Flair jokes? The entire time, I was biting my tongue. <sighs> you know what? Good for you. That shows maturity in you that you didn't. I'm learning. You can now. There it is. Was there anything in that conversation with Katie Dillon that stood out to you that you thought was extra interesting, intrigued you any? I was surprised that she said it was unlikely that O'Neill would get moved. I thought there'd be a pretty high chance with his 2021 season, even though he hasn't been healthy. I thought there would be more interested suitors, and maybe there will. But, I mean, I understand why he might not have a market right now being just off of the injured list. So that was I was expecting O'Neill to be 100% gone. So a chance you know, that he might still be here was surprising to me. But it was really cool just hearing from her. She was really uh, friendly and very knowledgeable, so it was really cool. Not only that, Dylan, but it's 2023 now. It is? O'Neal's, yeah, it is. Since when? Since uh, seven months ago. So, but the reason I I bring that up is because, you know, O'Neal, I mean, that that was a while ago. And he hasn't really been up to that expectation because partially because of injuries, but he hasn't looked very good when he's been healthy as well. And it can be hard to get into a rhythm when you're not healthy for sure. But I completely understood that. And I thought that that was a a fair point. And I think a lot of people are trying. That's a guy that I think they want to clear out probably 
um, because they think they could get something back for him potentially because he does still have, I think, some upside when he is healthy. But like you said, the problem is he hasn't been healthy. So, no, I think that's a really good point, and I thought that was interesting as well. I thought that the most interesting thing to me was that when we, talk, when we talked about uh, the middle infield, we talked about, you know, Donovan, uh, Gorman, Edmund, and DeYoung, and we asked who did she think were the two most likely to be dealt and she discussed that she thought that there was a pretty good chance that three of those guys were still here. And that DeYoung, um, there was a good chance he would be gone. Praise the Lord. <laughs> we know your thoughts on Paul DeYoung, Dylan, okay? We don't need to dive into that now. I bet. To me, what I thought was the most intriguing, the most interesting, when we talked about with her the middle infield, um, you know, who were the most likely out of that group of Edmund, DeYoung, Gorman, and then Donovan, who were the most likely two to be dealt from that. And she mentioned DeYoung, but she didn't really, she she, kind of, I think, gave off the assumption that um, she thought that there was a pretty good chance that the other three stayed. And she also talked about how, you know, the last thing that the team wants to do, that you want the team to do, is to not trade any of these guys and there still be that log jam come August 2nd, come the 2024 season. So, I still think that there's a pretty good chance that two of those guys are gone. I could see there definitely being three of them still here, but I was a little bit surprised at that. But overall, like you said, I mean, it was really interesting, really good talking to her. She had some phenomenal points. I really enjoyed that. All right, Dylan, it's our turn now to discuss some trades, to discuss where we view the value of some of these guys. Yeah, get, oh, them, yeah. get them hands warmed up. What we're going to go ahead and we're going to start with is we're going to kind of pile this together, but who we think are the Cardinals' most highly valued players that could be traded, that we've heard discussion about the potential of them being traded. So throw out Nolan Arenado, throw out Paul Goldschmidt. They're staying. Paul, throw out. Brandon is punching the air right now. Yeah, he is. Throw out Jordan Walker. Um, I think those are the three safest ones um, to, to throw. Yeah. So so I'll go ahead and we're going to work on this list together rather than just giving our own separate list. And we're going to try to, we're going to try to work together and put together our list together. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Give it the old college try. Can we, I think we can both agree on who we think number one is. Right. And I think that it would probably be Jordan Montgomery. Would we agree on that? I would agree. Okay. Yeah. Jordan Montgomery has had by far the best season of all the Cardinals starting pitchers, starting didn't pitching saying much. <laughs> true, but he's had a very good season yeah. and starting pitching in the market right now. It's, there's not a lot of it, especially with yeah. Shane Bieber going on the IL for the guardians. Mm-hmm. You could argue that Jordan Montgomery might be the highest valued starting pitcher on the market right now. Highest lefty, I would say. Yes, lefty. Uh, that's a good point. You know, for sure. You got Giolito, you got Cease, you got Stroman. Right. For sure. That's a very fair point. Highest lefty. We'll go with that. Okay, so Jordan Montgomery's our one. Who would you put it to? This might be controversial. I don't know if you'll agree with this. I'm going to go Brendan Donovan. Donovan. Interesting. Oh, so I do like Donovan. I have him on my personal top five. I still think that I would put, I think that it's hard for me to not put your pitching pieces at the very top. Yeah, I have them at three. And the reason being that that's the demand, that's the highest demand, that's going to be the highest demand, and that's who you're for sure selling, it feels like. So I would put Jack Flaherty at two, 
and for the, for the for the exact reason I said. But yeah. I but Donovan is very highly touted. We're going to be talking about him a little bit more as this episode goes on because he really is a highly valued uh, piece of your roster right now. So let's go ahead and let's diet. We'll kind of discuss each of ours and then we'll try and form a list at the end of like where where we can compromise. So, Sounds good to me. So your three you said is Jack Flaherty. And I'm assuming probably for all the same reasons. Yes, correct. So I put, and this one might be, I'm, I'm curious what you think of this. I put Jordan Hicks at three. I could see it. I thought I may have put Donovan a little high, but I just, after what Katie said about Flaherty potentially staying through the deadline, that kind of shifted my lineup a little bit, but I have Hicks at four. So I think I don't want to see really, I don't want to see Donovan or Hicks go, but I think Hicks, you know, being a free agent, upcoming in this offseason, I think a contender is going to make a move for him, probably the Dodgers or Diamondbacks. So I don't know if you saw this yesterday, Dylan, but there was a trade made, not a super big trade or anything, but there was a trade made between the Atlanta Braves and the Colorado Rockies. And this was a a relief pitcher trade where the Braves ended up acquiring Pierce Johnson from the Rockies in exchange for two pitching prospects, Victor Vodnik and, and Tanner Gordon. And I don't expect you to know any of those names. Uh, those are, I mean, they're, they're pitching Ooh. prospects. Exactly. But um, two pretty highly looked at pieces. One of them is a top 10 prospect, and one of them is, I think, top 30 in the Brave system. So the reason that I bring this up is that Pierce Johnson's ERA this year is six. And it's been better when it's not at Coors Field. Right. That's fair. It's been, I think, mid fours. But still, for that they got two top 30 prospects and a top 10 prospect, I believe. You're telling me that Jordan Hicks couldn't get significantly more than that? I never said that. No, I know you're not. I'm just <laughs> that this is my question in general. And so that is why I view Jordan Hicks as high as I do. I mean, we know Jordan Hicks. His stuff is absolutely filthy. Absolutely filthy. I mean, Dude's throwing a blitz ball one, out there. 102, 103 on a sinker. It's not always that, but I mean, he, he touches that. It's what he I finished mean, the game with yesterday, 102 and, on the inside. And and with how good he has been in the last couple of, or not couple, it's been longer than that, in this now what's turned into a couple months stretch, I really like what I'm seeing from Jordan Hicks. And he could really help a ball club out. Now, I will say this. Out of the three pitchers, I think Hicks is probably the most likely to stay because, look, bullpen pieces are very important. And it wouldn't surprise me if the Cardinals tried to, you know, give him a, a deal in the offseason and keep him in St. Louis for a 2024 run. That wouldn't surprise me. But at the same time, you know, uh, I could see, you know, where there's going to be a lot of demand for him and people are going to be shopping him. So Jordan Hicks is at three for me. You had Flaherty at three. You had Hicks at four. You want you want to speak any to that? Yeah, that makes sense. Bullpen arms always come at such a premium around the deadline anyway. Right. So I can see that happening. Yeah, I mean. A lot of people would argue it's they're the highest valued pieces at the deadline or bullpen arms, you know, because outside of that, I think, you know, teams can fill in the bullpen pretty easily with minor league pieces. But, you know, having those guys, um, adding those guys midseason, I mean, the Cardinals proved it in 2011 how important they can be um, <laughs> is adding bullpen arms. So, um, yeah, really good point. So I have Brendan Donovan at four. Mm-hmm. You put Donovan at two. Is that correct? That's correct. Two. What are your thoughts on Donovan? I put him up there because of his hair. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> Next subject. I rest my case. <laughs> no, I think it's just because he is such a utility player. He can play anywhere at a gold glove caliber. He won the utility gold glove last year. And 
He has had a consistent two seasons now. It wasn't like last year was just a fluke. He has followed it up this year with consistent play. So I think a lot of teams will be seeking that lefty, consistent batting average bat. And he's starting to hit for power a little bit. Um, And this is, you know, the first time he's really been injured. And it's not really a serious injury. So I think there's going to be a lot of demand for him just because he's so versatile. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. And if it wasn't for... And so much team control, I might add. Yeah, team control is another great point. 2026, I believe, uh, a team would have him locked up until. So I could see him getting a, you know, people being willing to throw in a really big package for Brendan Donovan and co, potentially. Brendan Donovan is a very talented ball player. And, you know, he'll definitely be an interesting one to keep an eye on. I liked how you mentioned the at-bats against lefties. He's a guy that the Cardinals have relied on as their leadoff guy, you know? Right. And he could be that for anyone in the league, so. All right, number five. Who do you have at number five? Paulie Ding Dong Johnson's Paul DeYoung. Wow. That's a nickname. Nobody calls him that, but this is mostly just because there's a, it's a pretty thin shortstop market this year, especially compared to last year. But, I mean, that was more free agency, but I think that Paul DeYoung could be the premier shortstop at the trade deadline market. So I think he could be a bottom-of-the-order bat somebody could be looking to add, and he still plays plus defense. He's not a bad defender. So I think we would be more likely to move him than sign him again in this offseason with his options. So I just thought maybe, you know. Yeah, for sure. I think, value. I think that it would it would really surprise me if DeYoung was still on the team come August 2nd. And the reason being, like you said, the team option – is up there a little bit. It's it, it the the contract definitely boosts in those last couple of years of his contract, and it would surprise me if he's still the Cardinal come twenty twenty four. Let alone after the trade deadline. I put Lars Newbar in that spot. Whoa! And let me explain my my thoughts here. Is I know the Cardinals have made it clear that Newbar they'd prefer to keep him, but they have not put him in the same. I would say category tier as Walker, Arenado, and Goldschmidt. Yeah. And if a team is willing to give up something for him, you know, the Cardinals are in that spot where they don't have much of a they don't have as much of a choice because there's the one they're the ones that are selling, right? Mm-hmm. So if a team's willing to give that package, you may be for your hand may be forced and you may have to deal him. So that's why I would put him there. I still think, even though the front offices said that they would rather not trade him instead of Donovan. I still value Brendan Donovan above Lars Newtbar. I just think that the intangibles that Donovan brings, as well as being able to play more positions, for me personally, I view him a little bit higher than I do Lars Newtbar. Now, I still really like Lars Newtbar, but that's why I have Newtbar in there, despite the front office saying that they don't really want to trade him. You know there's going to be teams asking about him still. Yeah, and like Katie said, never say never. You never, you know, we didn't see Bader coming at all last deadline. That was totally out of the blue. So yeah, for sure, could be, could happen. But I'm telling you right now, if he gets dealt, there will be riots in the streets. I think so. Ten thousand people a night will be at Bush Stadium. Wow, it's it's going to be bedlam. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, so real quickly, we have a. I feel like we have pretty good, a pretty solid list here. So if we combine them together, I think that we could probably do we for sure Montgomery at one. Let's do, we'll do, let's Rock, do paper, Flaherty, Flaherty at two. Let's do Donovan at three, Hicks at four. And at five, I think it really is a battle between, it's straight up Newbar and DeYoung. I would, I would vouch that Newbar is on that spot above DeYoung because my argument to what you said is I don't know how much demand even the shortstop market's going to have at the deadline. Like you said, there, there, you know, he might be one of the higher viewed ones. 
But I don't know really what the market's going to be, the desire to even get a shortstop is going to be. I think that's a fair compromise. I think the return would definitely be higher for Lars Newtbar than Paul DeYoung because, you know, one, he's younger and he can be a leadoff hitter at the top of your lineup and he gets on base an awful lot. He eats his carrots. That man takes his walk. <laughs> yeah, he got a good looker. 2020 vision. Yes. So, I mean, I, I think that's fair to say that there would be a, a higher um, return on investment for a team that is, or, you know, a team would be more willing to offer for Lars Newtbar yeah, than Paul DeYoung. I agree. And I think it's fair to say, like, why Newtbar isn't on the list in general because the front, the front office has looked at him the way that they have and said they don't really want to trade him. I just thought that I, my thought is just because they've said that doesn't mean they don't necessarily trade him. They don't want to, but who knows? Maybe they don't have the luxury of having that choice necessarily if, if a team's offering something that's really convincing. They don't want the fans to burn down Bush Stadium, so they're going <laughs> to oh keep him God. on the roster. <laughs> okay, so we have our five now. We went with Montgomery, Flaherty, Donovan, Hicks, Dupar. Solid list. Handshake. Cordial. First time in... Lou Sports Talk podcast. We're frightened in the parking lot afterward. Okay, sounds good. Yeah. All right, let's 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 keep moving here. Um, we've discussed our most valuable pieces that the Cardinals could be shopping. Now let's talk Dark Horse. I want to talk Dark Horse a little bit. Someone that... By Katy Perry? <laughs> that's a great song. Um, someone that we think the Cardinals could trade that would surprise people, that wouldn't really... Uh, maybe out of the list of people that the Cardinals, we would say, eh, they probably shouldn't, they might. Um, if a package is convincing enough. Who, who are you thinking here, Dylan? I am going to go pretty underwhelming here. I'm just going to say some names that people might not be thinking of, but it's not like going to jump off the page. Sure. I would say I would think there's the potential for a guy like Moises Gomez or Juan Yepes to be included in a deal for a major league you know, talent in terms of just moving prospects. Interesting. So you're looking more from a prospect moving standpoint rather than major league talent. Interesting. Yeah, I could I could see that. I don't know like with the Cardinals selling, I don't know how high the demand is necessarily going to be because there's it seems like there's so many other pieces um, that the team's willing to part with that could help winning ball clubs and now Gomez and Yepes aren't going to help your team now. They're no. going to go and they're going to play in AAA. Correct. Um so that would be my response to that. Mine I, I went big on this one, man. I went big. I went Nolan Uh-oh. Nolan Gorman and, I, and, and as my dark horse. That doesn't mean I think he's necessarily going to get traded, but I've seen a lot of stuff out there about this guy's 23. He's figuring it out. You look at this year compared to last year. Yes, he had a really rough about two-month dip in the middle of the 23 season where the average was about around 140 for those two months, but he's starting to figure it out. And that's part of that's part of letting these young guys play is you mm-hmm. have to let them struggle. You have to let them play in order to figure out the issues. And I think that Gorman is a perfect example of a guy that is starting to figure out the issues. And I think Nolan Gorman is going to be a very good player in this league. Like, like everyone has said, he's very young. I think he looks okay at second base I think he's only going to continue improving but you know we know his bat plays and you know we've seen him start to take it to all fields we know he has the power to right field so do I think that the Cardinals are going to trade Nolan Gorman probably not but if there was a dark horse and that people have kind of like put off like it's not going to happen Mm -hmm. he would be the one I would say Keep an eye on it at least because there's going to be teams asking about Nolan Gorman and he Maybe he might, I would say that on my list, if I had a number six, I would argue he could probably be in that five spot along with Newt Bar. He could really be in that mix for most valued 
um, offensive bats that you have that you could be shopping at all is Nolan Gorman because of his bat and his age. I like it. Go big or go home, as they say. Okay, on to the next thing. Player you fear being traded. Do you want me to start on this one? Go right ahead. Okay, I'll start on this one. The player that I fear being traded is Brendan Donovan. Oh, my God, please do not trade Brendan Donovan. I'm really really nervous they're going to, and the reason is because if you look at this team, if you look at when things started to get figured out, right, it would – I personally – from an offensive standpoint, when things started getting consistent for this team on the offensive side – you know, once that Washington series started, this team looked really good. With the actually, really the Chicago White Sox series before the All Star yeah, break, yeah. this team started looking really good offensively. And I think part of that was because Tommy Edmond went down with an injury. And not that I don't like Tommy Edmond, but what it did was it cleared up opportunity for guys to play consistently every day. And Brendan Donovan has looked very good this season. He's looked very good, in my opinion. I think he's been arguably your most valuable player, uh, you know, outside of the guys you expect to do that in Goldschmidt and Arenado. I've really liked what I've seen from Brendan Donovan. The problem is, is with Tommy Edmond being injured, his value is nowhere near as high right now as Brendan Donovan's is. When they're when Edmond's healthy, I think that they're relatively close. And part of that is because Edmond can play center field. And I think guys that can play center field in this league well are very highly valued, especially at the trade deadline. Donovan does not play center field. But with Edmond being hurt, his value, I feel, is pretty significantly lower than Brendan Donovan's right now. So I think teams are much more likely to ask about Brendan Donovan than they are about Tommy Edmond. I really hope the Cardinals, if there was one guy, I think I'd wrap... Now, I'd have to sit and think about this a little bit more, but if I had to choose between Donovan, Newbar, and Gorman, keeping one of them, it might be Donovan. It might be Donovan. That's how that's how highly I, I view Brendan Donovan, and I can understand why people would disagree with that, and there could be conversation about that, and I would totally be willing to hear out all sides on that conversation because they are really close, I think, in a lot of ways. But I really like Brendan Donovan, and I would, I would hate to see him go. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a watershed moment in Lou Sports Talk podcast history. Ethan and I agree. Holy moly. I do not want Brendan Donovan going anywhere. <laughs> Please do not move him. Like you said, man, it's oh, – I really – I just – I can't even – I can't even put it into words. <laughs> I can't even fathom. I, I hope we're stingier about him than we, than we were about Carlson last year moving for Soto. We wouldn't let him go for Soto. I hope we are even st- – more stringent with Brendan Donovan and do do not let him slip through our fingers. Well, this is the second time on this podcast that we're shaking hands. This is this is history. It's all downhill from here. All, amen to that, brother. <laughs> all right, guys. So to wrap up this podcast, one final discussion piece, and we're going to do a little bit of a segment of who's more likely to go, where we're going to name two players, in some cases name three players, and we're going to name the one that is most likely, we think, will be traded. This is our own personal predictions. This is our own opinions. Nothing besides that, just based off of, you know, what we've read, values of the players we have looked at ourselves. You ready for this, Dylan? Let's run it. I'll let you pick which one we start with, and then we can pick from there. I'm going to start with one that I think is pretty straightforward. Helsley or Hicks? You know, if, if Ryan Helsley was healthier or what seemed like to be closer on a track to getting healthy, I think this would be a little bit more of a difficult one. And I can still understand where the car- someone would argue Helsley on this one because I could see where someone would want Hicks to be a part of a 2024 bullpen and mm-hmm. getting him here for a few years. But in this case, I think that 
the demand for Hicks is going to be so much higher than Helsley because Helsley is injured. Even with him having that phenomenal 2022 season, Ryan Helsley, I think that Jordan Hicks is the one that makes more sense. Agreed. Donovan or Edmund? Who's more likely to go, Donovan or Edmund? I think it's probably Donovan because, like I said, Edmund is injured right now. Donovan's going to get you more back. So I think I would probably say Brendan Donovan. Who would you I, say? I Donovan? said Donovan as well. Would you say same reasons? Yeah. Yeah, you're going to get more interest and more return. How about this one? Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson, or Alec Burleson? I am going to say it's a toss-up, but I'm going to go with O'Neill slash Carlson. I don't think Burleson's going anywhere. I think O'Neill could be one of those guys that is similar to Lane Thomas where we end up like moving him. I like I would understand why we move him, but then I could see him like doing well and doing damage somewhere else. And then Carlson, I think he's just been in a totally different role this year than last year. He's been almost like a fourth outfielder. He has not been an everyday player. So I think people will trade for his potential upside and his plus defense. Yeah, no, I, I almost couldn't agree more with you on that point. This is a problem. We're agreeing way too much. <laughs> yes, we are. Yeah, like you said, Dylan Carlson, his value this year, it's been in a weird spot because he has been that fourth outfielder. And I think he does. I think that with an opportunity, consistent opportunity, consistent playing time, he's going to have a solid career. Yeah. Um, it really just depends. And there's the chance for that to happen in St. Louis. If they're able to clear some of this outfield, these extra outfield pieces they have, It'll just be a matter of who's the one to go, him or one of these other pieces. So I do think that Carlson out of these three is going to be the one that is bringing in the most interest in large part because O'Neill has been injured and hasn't had that that track record this season of being able to add consistently to a lineup. Alec Burleson, I, I think Alec Burleson is an undervalued piece in the sense that he does not strike out. He mm. rarely strikes out. And I think there's been some things in his game that have improved as the season has gone on. He has his struggles in the outfield, that is for sure. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, I, I see why the club, I see why Ali Marmo likes him. I don't think that there's going to be enough of an offer out there for the Cardinals to give him up. So I think I would agree with you on Dylan Carlson there. How about I ask you one now? Right. I'm going to ask you, Nolan Gorman or Lars Newtbar? I am going to have to go with secret option number three, neither. I think they're both Cardinals after the deadline. Interesting. Okay. No, I think that's a fair point. But if I had to choose one, it's so tough. It's really tough. Mm -hmm. Who's more likely to go, Gorman or Newbar? In my personal opinion. Gorman because he has better hair? Both have pretty similar hair. So that doesn't play too much of a part into it for me. (laughs) I think that I would probably say... More likely to go Nolan Gorman. And the reason I would say that is because the front office has put Newbar into that category of four guys that they are for for sure really don't want to get rid of. Even though I would say Newbar seemed like it was more of like a we're, instead of a we're not giving him away, it was a we don't want to give him away. Gorman was not discussed in that conversation necessarily. So that, I think, would probably be the main reason as to why there'd be any difference in those two players would be because what the front office has already told us about them. Is that a fair point? That's a fair point. Okay. How about this one? Andrew Kisner or Yvonne Herrera? Oh, man, I'm so glad you asked this one. I am sure hoping it is Andrew Kisner. I think that the Yankees potentially, with Jose Trevino being out the rest of the season, they could trade for him as maybe a platoon backup catcher. He still has the potential to have offensive upside, but 
I think the Cardinals will want to hold on to Herrera more just because he's more of a young prospect that has not gotten a ton of opportunities yet at the big league level. I think this is a tough one as well because I think it's one of those situations where Herrera is going to get more interest. But at the same time, you know, for the Yankees, maybe Andrew Kisner does make more sense because he's not going to require giving up as much. And it's a guy that you need for this season. But he still has a couple of years of team control. Andrew Kisner is the definition, in my opinion, of a backup guy. He can be that guy that you know is going to be available when your main guy needs an off day. He doesn't have the offensive numbers to be your number one guy. But he's a team leader, proven that in the clubhouse. And Herrera's really young. I think the club likes what they've gotten from him. And I think the club is, I mean, I can understand if there was some, you know, figuring out still of how long Wilson Contreras will be a full-time catcher. And eventually at that point, you're going to need someone else. So if Herrera's gone, who does that? You know, then you're in the same boat of Postiati trying to fi- mm-hmm. fill that hole. So I think that in this case, I would probably say Kisner as well. But this one's also really close. So... Dylan, I don't know if there will ever be a day again in our lives where we agree this much. Feels so wrong. It does. Feels like we've done an injustice to the people. Why don't we talk about the pitch clock again? <laughs> That'll come up again at some point. I know it will. <laughs> Dylan, thanks for joining. Appreciate it. Pleasure to be fun. here. Dylan, where can people find us on social media? You can find us at Loose Sports Talk underscore on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Yeah, we're continuing to post lots of content on all three of those social media pages, so be sure to follow us on all three of them, and uh, as well as uh, for giveaways, promos, different things like that. Figure out who is joining us next. Katie Wu, we thank her again as well. Really enjoyed getting to, to chat with her today, and you know, we'll, we'll, we, we keep you guys posted on the socials as to who, who's joining next. So be sure to follow us there. You can also purchase merch there. We got our Loose Sports Talk t-shirts. Quite comfortable. Very comfortable. Very breathable. Good, strong, yeah. nice material. It's a solid shirt. It is a solid shirt. And you know, there's potential of us adding uh, maybe even some more things as uh, the, the year goes on. So keep an eye on those. Follow us on those pages. Thanks again, guys, for tuning in. That's a wrap.